Amen. Thanks, Dave. Morning, everyone. Why don't you um, turn to Mark chapter 4. That's where we're going to be uh, this morning. The words will be, uh, the verses will be up on the screen behind me, but uh, for reasons that will probably be evident as well. It'd be great if you can fire up a phone or a real Bible uh, and have a look there. I'm going to get into trouble with some people this morning. I'm warning you in advance if you're a digital Bible person. Um, Mark 4, we're going to do 1, 1 to 20 uh, this morning, continuing. If you're new here or you're visiting, we're in a, a, a long series working our way through the, the Gospel of Mark. And um, yeah, enjoying it. This is a long teaching block in Mark 4, but before we dive into that, um, I think I've shared before how little I enjoyed school. Um, I... I, I academics at school, I should say. I thought school was there to facilitate team sports, uh, and you had to suffer through the mornings. And I didn't, I didn't have equal hatred for all of the subjects. Uh, accountancy was the front runner, easily. Uh, but hard on accountancy's heels was English. And what I particularly disliked about English was poetry. Um, no, no, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to offend people the whole morning because some of you are like real, like creative types. You see, I mean, even the way I say it is like a very offending people. Like, and you read poems and you even write poems and that's lacquer. I'm so happy for you. I am not that guy. And when I was in school, it was even worse. You know, you can just imagine like immature Doug, like less mature than I am now. Can you imagine that? Like, it's not a pretty sight. Immature Doug in English class with Mr. McMurtry. And he's trying to explain to us what this poem means. And, I, and like he said, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, as you can see, whatever he's, he's trying to say this. And I'm like, yes? Like, I don't see it. Like, looking again, that was the flowery, flamboyant, nonsense language. I'm like, just say it. Like, what do you want to say? Just say it. Like, say it in simple English where I understand. No, comparing this and this. I hated poetry. Because I felt like I never understood. Everyone could see stuff that I just couldn't see. Have I got any friends here? One, Jonah. We are now lifetime buddies. When we get to the parables in the Bible, sometimes you can have the same kind of a feel. You read the parables, and it's just like, okay, Jesus, what are you talking about? Like, and this parable that we're going to look at this morning is in some ways so confusing that Jesus sat down with the disciples afterwards and explained it to them. He didn't explain all the parables. He explained this parable. And the explanation of the parable is itself slightly confusing. All right? So <laughs> we're going to try, through the grace of God and the help of the Holy Spirit, understand what is going on here in the parable of the sower and the seeds and the soils. Um, and I want to say up front that this parable, as I understand it and read it and studied it, I think it has, there's layers of meaning. This is like it has layers, like, uh, like an onion. What the, is it Shrek who has layers? One of them. Like this has layers of meaning. Some of it is abundantly clear and easy, but there are layers of meaning. So if, you've, if it feels to you this morning like I'm fudging things and I'm undecided, it's because I think there's layers of meaning in this. But there's so much, of, there's so much good and help for us in this parable uh, of the sow and the seed. So let's read um, together here from Mark uh, chapter 4 from verse 1. Again, he began to teach by the sea, and a very large crowd gathered around him. So he got into a boat on the sea and sat down, 
while the whole crowd was by the sea on the seashore, on the shore. He taught them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. When the sun came up, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it didn't produce fruit. Still other seed fell on good ground, and it grew up, producing fruit that increased 30, 60, and 100 times. Then he said, let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. When he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. He answered them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those outside, everything comes in parables, so that they may indeed look and yet not perceive. They may indeed listen and yet not understand. Otherwise, they might turn back and be forgiven. Then he said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand all of the parables? The sower sows the word. Some are like the word sown on the path. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. And others are like seed sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. But they have no root. They are short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. Others are like seeds sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those like seeds sown on good ground hear the word, welcome it, and produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. Father, we, we love your word. We love the fact that it continues to speak to us. And even as we have read this morning, Jesus, your words are fresh in our ears, that he who has ears, um, listen. And so we listen this morning, and we're listening out for the, the voice of God through the work of the Spirit amongst us. And we pray that you would give us, through the work of the Spirit, ears to hear hearts and minds that can perceive what you're saying, can understand, and hearts that are receptive and um, soil in our own hearts ready to receive your word imparted to us this morning. Please come and teach us and speak to us through the Holy Spirit's ministry. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. What is Jesus on about in this parable? Um, I'm going to start at the end and work backwards. This is what I think this whole parable is about. It's about living a life of exponential fruitfulness. It's about living a life of exponential fruitfulness. If I came to you and I said, would you like to live a life of exponential fruitfulness? Most of you, hopefully, would say, yes. I'd love to live like that. That sounds 
excellent, that sounds like a great idea, sounds like it'd be good for me and good for the world. How do I get there? I think Jesus is going to help us understand how we get there, but I think that's what he's after. Hearts and lives lived with exponential fruitfulness. But before we get there, we need to start at the beginning and look at some obstacles, because there's lots of obstacles and, uh, and barriers to this kind of um, faith and fruitfulness. This, so these are the do- layers of double meaning. Um, I think traditionally, sometimes this, this parable has just been used to reference um, unbelievers and believers, like different kinds of reception that you can have in your heart to the message of salvation alone. Um, and I think that is fair reading of it as well. But I think there is other layers of meaning Whereas those who would call yourselves disciples or followers of Jesus, there you almost map over the different types of soil. We can respond to the word that comes to us in different ways, even as a believer, that can affect your fruitfulness. Are you tracking with me? It affects the exponential fruitful living. It's not just, oh, those are unbelievers, these are believers. I think even as believers whose hearts have been softened to God and to receiving his word, we respond in different ways. Throughout. So let's have a look at these different types of soil. The first one uh, is, I think, what, G- what Jesus could call a hard hearts. Hard hearts. It's, he gives this one the shortest treatment almost. He says the soil lands almost on the, on, on the path, on the hard part. The, um, the, remember, this is, this is Jesus' teaching uh, in, in Israel. Uh, it's, not, it's not number one for farming. And back then, uh, basically, there would be these paths through the fields where they'd have to walk. And that's, that's the picture here, that the, the sower is sowing the seed, and some of that seed is it's landing on almost the footpaths there, and nothing is going in. It's not ready for the seed to go in. It, it's either going to get stood on, or a bird's going to come and take it. There's no potential of that seed producing any fruit. The birds get it, and it's gone. And Jesus says, that's the first type of soil. It lands on hard ground, and Satan steals it away quickly like that. And um, I think that can happen, I would say, that to believer and unbeliever, particularly unbelievers. I mean, some of you will know uh, unbelieving people in your lives who you, you've shared with, you've tried to share the gospel, and it's like, gunk. it like, feels like it's landing on concrete. There's just nothing there, and it's gone. They're not sitting mulling over it. They're not like, oh, thanks for sharing that with me. Ah, like, and there's engagement. It's like, just like, look, don't talk to me about that. Like, thanks very much. Get lost. Like, um, and I, I think it's important for us to understand that the, the hardness of heart here is, is, is from us. It's our hardness of heart that the, 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 the seed of the word lands on. It's not so much God hardening people's hearts and then throwing seed, they're like playing games with them. Like he's going to harden their heart and then throw seeds. And it's like, see, that's not going to go in because I harden your heart. It's like, we're the ones who harden our hearts. And so the, the seed can't enter, the word can't go in. And that can be, particularly with unbelievers, their, their hearts can be hard to the, to, to the word and to God for various reasons. Maybe they've been hurt by the church in the past. They just don't want to hear anything. They've been disappointed by uh, believers. It can be a million other things. Think of the people in your life who are most resistant to the gospel. They've, they've got something there that makes their heart really seem hard 
to the word getting there. Uh, hard-heartedness can be something that, it, it can be a characteristic of us if you're a follower of Jesus. And this is how it works. I, I think this is, so this is sometimes how it works. You can be distracted and you can be lazy. Now, I, I have ADHD up there with the best of them. And I think in God's grace, he has called me and gifted me to preach more than to listen to sermons. Because I struggle, just like many of you, to listen all the way through the sermon without getting distracted. I struggle. So if you like tune in and out when I'm speaking, you're amongst friends. Uh, hopefully not too many friends here. But, you know, I, I get it. Like, I'm just like, oh, Lord, please help me to focus here. This is what hard soil looks like. You arrive uh, with a heart not ready to receive God's word. I'm talking particularly about church. The, the soil of your heart is hard. You're exhausted. So you either had a late night or a long week, and you're, just, you're here, but you're not really here. And the seed lands, dunk, and it's gone. It's almost like Satan or the birds. It's gone. It doesn't go in. It doesn't produce anything. There's no fruitfulness that comes from it. Sometimes that can just be from a hard-heartedness, a distraction. Like I said, sometimes it's just laziness. Uh, we have here, you know, all of the seed, as it were, the word. And I, I just know enough Christians to know that we don't spend enough time allowing this to sink into our hearts. It like lies around the house, or even worse, we carry it around in our pocket all day. We, we treasure our phones, and almost all of us have a Bible app on it. And yet if we have time to pass, we're leveling up on Candy Crush or <laughs> Scrabble, or we're wasting time on social media. We're not, we're not sowing word into our into the soil of our hearts. And I'm not, I'm not here to ding this on everyone. I find the same distractions myself. I see this hardness of heart in myself. And we need so much of God's help to allow our hearts to be soft, to long for more seed, to, to penetrate the hardness of our own hearts. The first kind of soil bears no fruit. It just gets taken away. The second... Jesus says it's shallow soil. He says it's initially it's received with joy. It's like the initial hearing of it. It's like, that sounds amazing. Wonderful. Whatever that word is, whatever that seed is, it's it's a, Jesus says it's received with joy. But then what happens? It says immediately, immediately those who hear that, and immediately after the rejoicing, they fall away. And they fall away on, on, on two counts. Uh, persecution and distress, Jesus says. Those are the two things. They hear the word, and then, this is what happens in hard works, I think, in the life of an unbeliever. They hear the call to follow God, the, the call of, the, this is what you need to do. And they weigh up what it's going to cost them in terms of persecution. Because remember, it's persecution and distress because of the word. It's not just general life is hard, whatever else. It's because, it's because of the word. It's faithfulness and obedience to living out what God's called you to do, there's going to be pushback and heat from that. And the person weighs that up and thinks, the cost is too high. The cost is too high, I'm not going to. And so it withers and it dies. And there's no fruit and there's no life there. And maybe you know, maybe you know people like that who, 
who've, who've weighed it up. Some of you, maybe you've weighed up that cost and then you, you have counted the cost and you've been shunned by family members or friends and you've had to undergo or are undergoing different levels of, of persecution because of the word, because of faithfulness to the word, obedience to the word. It's not always skipping through the daisies. Oh, let me follow Jesus, be obedient to his word. My life's just going to go swimmingly. Jesus promises the exact opposite, actually. The exact opposite. He says, if you follow me in obedience, more than likely it's going to be difficult. And people will hate you on account of me. They won't, they'll hate you on account of me. Their hate is directed through you onto him. It's faithfulness to Jesus is a stench uh, in some people's nostrils as it's lived out through your life. He says, those are the two reasons people fall away. Persecution and, and distress, suffering. Some people weigh it up and they think, if I have to uh, obey this word, if I allow this seed to sink in the soil of my life and produce its fruit, I'm going to end up, my life will end up looking like this. I'll have to say no to that, no to that, yes to that, change that, all of these things. Nah, it's not worth the effort. It's going to cause too much distress. I don't want, don't want my life to turn out like that. And so they, they walk away count the cost of it, and they bail quickly. The third um, type of soil that Jesus speaks about is, this, is, the, is the thorns. The seed that lands amongst the thorns. And it takes some kind of root and it grows up with the thorns, but then he says it gets choked out. That is such a strong word. It gets choked. And what does the choking it's very, very clear here that the life here, the potential fruitfulness gets suffocated out by three things that are actually all co-joined together. The cares of this world, different translations will translate this differently, the cares of the world, anxieties of life, or that the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of the heart, the things that your heart longs for, that sort of trifecta of things. And this is how it works. The, the word arrives there. And, and there's, it's again received with joy. It almost sort of gets accepted kind of thing. But then these anxieties of life, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of heart choke it out and ends up producing nothing. Friends, this is such a... I felt like as we read through all of this, this felt like the one, the strongest one and the one that we're most prone to feeling at the moment. Uh, maybe not for a while, has the world felt so anxious about everything? Anxious about just life, um, health, um, employment, provision, finances, safety, the country. The anxieties of life have a way of choking all of the life and the fruitfulness out of you. And I'm not saying that it's unrealistic. It's like life is hard and bad things happen to people. Bad things happen to you. And so I'm not, I'm not, you know, berating your anxiety. I'm just saying that that's what Jesus warns against. He says that the anxieties of life can choke out any fruitfulness in you. The deceitfulness of riches. Man, isn't that a term? The riches that promise this and then can't actually deliver on what they promise. And run hard after it. If I, just, if I could just add wealth to my life, <laughs> then I'll be fine. Then I'll be flourishing. 
You know, if I just win the lotto or whatever it is, you know, then I'll be okay. Or I just need a bit more. You know, maybe you just want to stay at the level that you're at. Riches are deceitful. They promise what they can never provide. They promise what they can never provide. And how it works like this is because sometimes, sometimes receiving the word and sometimes faithful obedience to the lifestyle and the following of Jesus means saying no to riches and yes to Christ. No to the riches and yes to Christ. And people look at that and think faithful following of Jesus means I'm going to miss out on all of that. No. I would rather have this. The riches have deceived them. The riches have deceived them. They've gone after the riches instead of after Christ. And they're deceived by it and they end up with nothing. It ends up choking out the life in us. And the desires of the heart. The desires of the heart. I mean, our hearts are just bent away from God so easily. There's a million things that we desire that are not Jesus, that are not the ways of God, that are not obedience to Him. And Jesus says, man, the desires of life, the, those things in you that pull your heart away from faithful following of Jesus, they, they deceive you just like the wealth does, but what they do is they choke life out of you. And so you can hear tons and tons of the word, and yet your heart condition is not conducive to bearing any fruit there. Because you hear sermon after sermon, read Bible after Bible, whatever else, but it doesn't produce any fruit. Because that trifecta of all the things you're worried about, the gunning after wealth, and the waywardness of your own heart end up choking out the life of God in you. This happens, I think, in um, abundant ways with those who are still exploring faith in Jesus. They're looking at Christianity and they bump against those three things and they're like, no thanks. But it happens in the lives of believers too. Uh, those of us who already follow Jesus, how does he put it in Matthew 6 verse 24? No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That is worth tattooing on your arm. So who's the master? You need to ask yourself again this morning, who is the master? Because Jesus says, you do not get to serve both God and money. Mm -mm. You can't have your cake and eat it. It's either this or it's that. It's either, it's not both and. It's either or. It doesn't mean that God's going to take all your money away. <laughs> if you become a Christian, I, some people are terrified of that. That's why they don't follow Jesus. That's why they don't even receive the word. That's the condition they're in. It's like, if I faithfully follow Jesus, I know what he's going to do. He's going to pull the carpet out from underneath me and I'm going to end up poor. But Doug promised me I'll be happy. You know, but I'll be poor and I don't want to be poor. But Doug promised me I'll be happy. It's like, no. God will take care of your needs. He's promised to do that. It's just we think our needs are different to what God knows our needs are. Hear Jesus' words, friends, this morning. The deceitfulness of riches. The deceitfulness of riches. That's how he describes it. You, you don't need what you think you need. It's deceiving. And it promises what it can't deliver. You don't believe me, believe Jesus. And then hear his challenge. You don't get to serve two masters. You've got to pick. Is it going to be him or is it going to be money? 
And there are unfortunately sobering examples even in the scriptures where the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and says, hey, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He says, go and get rid of all your stuff and then come follow me. He says, walks away heartbroken because he can't do it. He loves the world's things too much. How heartbreaking is that? That it would be the love of things that would keep someone from following the king of glory. And we can look at that and think, yeah, well, at least I'm not like that clown. You know? But in our hearts, there is always a longing for more and a longing for things. And this part of the world, we're in a wealthy part of the world here. We're blind to this stuff. We have a longing for the accumulation of things that we're often blind to. We have a longing for wealth and comfort and accumulation that we sometimes don't get to see. And it has devastating effects on our spiritual health and fruitfulness. Jesus then talks about the fourth type of soil. What does he say here? Very simply, he deals with this one almost the briefest. He says, they hear the word and welcome it. They hear the word and welcome it, and it has a 30, 60, and 100-fold uh, harvest, uh, exponential harvest in their life. There's, a, there's an important thing you need to see here. You can't see it in the English. But when it says um, that this person hears the word, you'll, every category hears the word, hears the word, hears the word. This is the only time the word hears is used in the ongoing present tense. So every other time you see the word hears, it's a once-off hearing. It's a once-off hearing and nothing happens. And for these people to hear, there's an ongoing hearing. And I think this is crucial because this is what, this is what changes people, is the ongoing hearing and accepting of the word of God. You hear and accept and act on it. You hear, accept, act. You hear, accept, act. And God's word changes you. This is the difference in people. They'll hear it and just disregard it, but the, this kind of soil is open to ongoing hearing. And what happens? There is this supernatural, exponential fruitfulness that happens in the lives of these people with good soil. Uh, I'm not a farmer. Um, I'm not even really a gardener. Uh, Claire and I used to dabble with gardening, but I found mountain biking more uh, enjoyable than gardening. So I've handed that over to her. Um, but I know that if you plant a seed 30 times um, fruitfulness coming out of that, that doesn't really happen. You know, you plant something up, it pops there. Like even, even 30 fold is, is exponential, is supernatural yield. 60, 100 fold. You plant one seed 100 fold. You don't miss this here. Jesus is talking about what he can do, what the word can do in your life is a supernatural activity. It's God's economy. It's not normal maths. It's not normal maths. When you sow God's word into your life, you should expect exponential and supernatural results to happen in your life and through your life. <laughs> That's the wonder of the word of God sowed into um, receptive soil is that we should expect that it'll have a supernatural change. It won't happen overnight necessarily because that's what farming and gardening is all about, isn't it? That's why Jesus uses parables like this because it's slow. 
You don't plant a seed. I mean, if some of you have got kids and you've done these kinds of experiments. You plant something in the garden, they go back the next day. It's like, it's stupid, man. I planted the pumpkin seed. Where's the pumpkin? It's like, well, you planted it yesterday afternoon, bud. You know, we watered it, and it's like 12 hours later. It's like, give the pumpkin a chance. We did this. We planted pumpkin seeds a while ago. Now it's like taking over one whole section of the garden there, but it's been, it's been a couple of months. But now the thing is going. John goes and sees this little pumpkin seed he planted. Oak is thrilled. You know, he reckons he's going to be a farmer. It's like pumpkins for days. Uh, but it's taken some time. And that's what happens with the Word of God. Sometimes we give up on it. We give up on sowing it into our lives because you, you, the, the, there's a delayed effect in the change in your character and the fruitfulness. You have to keep sowing and give it time. Give it time to pr- produce its fruit in you. But that fruit is exponential. That's what Jesus says. 30, 60, 100 fold. With the time we have left, I want to apply some of this to us, and I want us to think through how we can cultivate our hearts to produce exponential growth in you. And some of these are very practical. I've touched on one of them already. For many people, in God's wisdom, he's given his church uh, preaching as a method of growing people and, and the word being communicated. And he gifts people to open up, hopefully, God's word and to preach it. And in the power of the Spirit, takes his word and applies it to our hearts. And we are transformed and challenged and changed. And um, I think one of the ways that we can get our hearts right for this is to, get, is to be more prepared for Sunday. To spend some time on Saturday night asking God to make your heart ready for what you're going to receive on Sunday. To get up 10 minutes earlier on Sunday to spend time with God before you come to church. Say, God, would you speak to me today? Would you speak to me? Would you, would you, would you, I want to get my heart ready for whatever's going to come, whatever word you sow. That, that your heart is ready for that. that means, it means not necessarily having massively late nights on a Saturday. Yeah, and then rocking up at church just like unable to concentrate. Because you're here, but you're not. I mean, well done for being here. But again, if you want this exponential growth, we need hearts that are ready and receptive and in the right condition. Attentive listening. Um, I was with a friend this week and he was telling me that he's done some research, he's read somewhere, that people who take notes... This has been proven. People who take notes during sermons remember 70% more of what was said than those who don't. 70%. I was like, nah, but... And so he showed me. 70% more retention than those who just listen. I was like, wow. Like, I'm going to start taking notes. You know, when I'm not preaching. Uh, I mean, I do. I do take notes because I'm going to give feedback to the other guys when they preach. But I want to encourage you to take notes not because I want to look out and just see everyone scribbling and writing stuff down. Uh, I don't care if you write it in a book or put it on your phone. Uh, and the thing is not that you, that you impress the preacher or that you can tell me in like three months' time, you know, Doug, I wrote down what you said and whatever else. This is for your own heart to, to, to receive the word and so that it can bear that exponential fruit. We are... We are over-consumers of the Word in some ways. 
we hear way more sermons than people have throughout history. And yet, if you think of the change that it brings about in your life, what's missing there? Yeah, it's retention and it's meditation and then application. That's what's missing. So I would encourage you to take notes, to talk about it with somebody. Find a way. Find a way to take um, notes, to meditate on the word. I've touched on this. I would encourage you to have less volume and more depth. Less volume, more depth. Don't listen to sermon podcasts the whole week. I know, that sounds terrible. Just like, don't listen to sermons the whole week. Yeah, how can you process a sermon every few days and actually act on what it's encouraging you to do? Meditate on it. Take one thing and go deep dive on it. Go back to it again and chew it again and chew it again and re-look at it. Re-listen to some things. Meditate on God's word. Let it drip down into the different layers of your heart. Ask God, what do you want me to do with what I'm hearing here? Less volume and more depth. What does David say? I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. How do you hide God's word in your heart? You know, you memorize it. You allow it to drip down into the deeper parts so that it's lodged there that you don't even need this book near you because it's in you. It's in your memory. It's in your mind. It's shaped your character. I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Most of us just skim through sermons like that. If I had to ask you what I preached on three weeks ago, most of you won't remember. And again, this is, I'm not, not berating anyone. It's because no one takes notes. And no one goes and sits down and says, okay, God, I want to chew this over again. And it's not, I understand this enough. You know, that we're not the world's like A team of preachers kind of thing. Um, but, but it's still God's word. We're pointing you to the Bible. That's why we preach through the Bible. So that if you forget what I say, you can go and look at the book and say, oh, yeah, it's all there. Because I'm basically just telling you what Jesus is saying. You can go look at it. Oh, there we go. I forgot the points that Doug had, but there, there's the message again. You can dive deeper in there. How else do we do this? We become more doers than hearers. Listen to James's sober reminder to us from James 1 verse 22. He says, be, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. That's like strong language, isn't it? So see, if you just sit in church and listen and you don't do anything with what you hear, you are deceiving yourself. But did I read that correctly? Verse 23, because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works. This person will be blessed in what he does. I mean, I know that's what you would want. You want to be blessed in what you do. It says this person goes and acts on what they hear. They're not a forgetful hearer. They're a doer of works. And I think every time you hear a sermon, ask yourself some simple questions. What do I need to believe? in new ways about what I've just heard, either about God or about myself. And what do I need to do or not do in the light of what I've heard? Those two simple things. 
what do I need to believe about God or myself in new ways? Or what do I need to do or not do in the light of what I've heard? Just those two simple questions. You spend half an hour with that after every sermon you've heard, every time you've engaged with the Bible during the week. I, pro- I promise you, friends, you will see exponential fruitfulness in your own life. Exponential fruitfulness. One last thing is patient persistence in this. Patient persistence. It's not an um, ultimate makeover kind of thing. I love those shows, you know, where they take the person away for an ultimate makeover and they panel beat them and they cut their hair and they put makeup on and change their wardrobe and do all that kind of stuff. I love those shows. I could watch those things all the time. They come back and everyone's just like... Like I can hardly recognize the person. I do a lot of weddings, and that's sort of normally what happens. The bride <laughs> arrives, and it's like, who are you? You know, like, none of the brides in this church. I'm talking about other, other brides, you know. You never, ever look better than on your wedding day. You're like rock up and like unrecognizable. But like that ultimate makeover, they do it, and like it happens in hours, and no one can recognize them. Guys, that's not going to happen in your spiritual life. It's not. You're not going to read the word, walk home, and just be like, I've changed. God has two speeds of working, suddenly and slowly. He can change you in an instant. He can, and he does. Thanks be to God for that. Most of the time, God works slowly. Farming, fruitfulness, growth. You need to keep at it and keep sowing that seed in your heart. Let me pray for us. We're running out of time We'll deal with some of these other things next week. Father, we want to acknowledge that um, yeah, you, have, you have words of eternal life. And when you, when you speak your word into our lives, it's, it's, the, it's the best sound, it's the, it's the most valuable content, it's the most life-transforming word into us. And yet we want to confess and acknowledge it so often. We, we're so hard-hearted, we're so distracted with the, the cares of this world, we're deceived by its riches. Our hearts are bent away from you. Our hearts are so often not in a condition to, to receive your word with joy and allow it to bring about fruitfulness in us. And yet, and yet we do long. We do long to live lives of exponential fruitfulness. And so we look to you for your help this morning. And I pray for us, Father, that you would soften and cultivate the soil of our hearts that we would be people who are receptive to your word, who long for your word, who long to hear your voice, long to hear you speak, and that we would receive it with joy, we'd meditate on it, it would transform us, it would shape us, we would be renewed by your word, we would be shaped by it, we'd be strengthened, we'd see you differently, we'd see ourselves differently. We'd receive guidance and help. There's, there's so many things uh, that your word does in us and for us and to us and through us. So please make us a people 
ravenous for your word. This is a supernatural work of the Spirit, and we look to you and say, Father, please, would you make us ravenous for the life-giving word of God and allow our hearts to be receptive to that. And I pray for uh, those who may be here or listening to this whose hearts you are softening to receive the word, maybe for the first time, the, the promise and the hope and the joy of the gospel. And uh, we want to hear your words today. Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. We want to be, be people who are hearing what you're saying, not shutting you out, not distracted by anything, just ears wide open to the voice of God. And I pray that you be speaking and drawing people to yourself this morning. Help us. Thank you for the gift of your word. We love you. We worship you. What a, what a gift uh, the word is to us. And thank you, Father, that you continue to speak. Please shape us as individuals, shape us as a community through the power of your word spoken and given amongst us. We ask this for our good and for your glory in Jesus' name.